once more with podcast. Hello! Hello, Athena. <laughs> I have a question for you. Oh, hello. Go on then. Do you believe in love after love? Do I, do I believe in love after love or do I believe in life after love? Oh, is it life after love? God, yeah. I've never, I've never even listened to that song clearly. <laughs> I, I believe it's life after love. Um, I believe that I would not be able to have a roommate who liked Cher. I believe that children are our future. <laughs> <laughs> I believe this is once more with podcast. It is, yay! We are back for another joyous month. Everyone's obviously been um, waiting with bated breath to hear what we're going to be talking about today and uh, obviously anyone who's downloaded it knows what we're going to be talking about today. Um, So yeah, we we wanted to do an episode based on some characters that might have only been in the show for a very short period of time. Um, Like one episode... That's also. a very nice way of you to say that I did not at all cheat in no, this point. You are, you are the <laughs> biggest cheat. Um, there was so many characters that you could have chose from, but I can't even speak, that you could have chosen. Um, but oh no, you decided to go for the character in two episodes. Not one. Because you're greedy. <laughs> because I'm a rebel. But interestingly, we didn't kind of consult each other really on who we were choosing until we'd kind of already chosen um and we ended up choosing characters that were sort of one episode after the other yeah in consecutive episodes (laughs) yeah which was completely um like out of the blue really we we didn't expect to do that yeah and it was kind of an unexpected season too i think because we picked characters from season four yes which is probably neither of our favorite seasons i think is fair to say i actually you know i like season four it's just um it's just one of the seasons that's kind of underrated because oh yeah i don't know yeah but it's it's not it's not your favorite though is it no it's not my favorite No, it's not mine, but it it has. I wonder if it's anyone's favorite. There will be someone. There will be someone. Yeah, I I just I would like to hear if it's somebody's like super favorite season because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. You know, like like me, I like season four, but it's not my favorite season. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that that's like the best season of all. I reckon there are some massive Riley fans out there who absolutely adore this season because obviously it introduces Riley. Um, and and the initiative and all of that. Uh, <laughs> did did uh, Brinkster one thirty pay you to say that? Uh, I was actually thinking of her <laughs> when I was thinking about <laughs> the biggest Riley fan that I know. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that she loves season four. And season four has you know some uh, qualities to it. Uh, it has some fantastic episodes in it. Um, I really love that you said that it has some qualities to it, which (laughs) kind of makes it sound like, oh, yeah. I'm trying really hard (laughs) to be nice. (laughs) But because obviously the episodes we've chosen just happen to be episodes one and two um, of the season. So this is obviously a brand new start for Buffy. This is when Buffy is in college. Um, She's left high school. This is sort of a brand new direction for her. Um, And... The reason 
why we're obviously on season four is we, like I said, we decided that we wanted to, to think of the two characters that we thought were, you know, maybe they were not underused, but maybe they could have stuck around for a little bit longer. Maybe they would have been, it would have been interesting to know a bit more about them, about their backstory. And obviously, bearing in mind, we know that you've cho- you've been greedy and you've chosen someone who's in two episodes. But um, would you like to talk a little bit about your particular choice, T? Sure. I picked Kathy, Buffy's first roommate. Kathy. Because I kind of forgot about her being in the first episode, but we did talk yeah. about it. And she's in it so very little, you know, she's barely even there. Yeah. It's, just, it's mainly just an introduction. Can you miss her? Yeah. It's just an introduction to her, really. We don't really find out anything about her. She's more kind of in the background. I think she has maybe one or two lines, but other than that, she's very much in the background in this episode, uh, in the in the freshman, anyway. So we we discussed it, and I was, we decided that that you you could have um, <laughs> you could have that. Also, because you really didn't go over the moon for my second choices. Well, yeah. Do you want to talk about the choices that uh, didn't quite make the cut? <laughs> For me, the other two choices were Ted and Dracula. <laughs> it, well, it wasn't, I wasn't enamoured with your choices. I just kind of felt that... Are you going to say that they had qualities that you appreciated? Uh, everything's got qualities. Um, that's me being very, very diplomatic. Um, because I'm sure there are qualities for the, both of them. Um, yeah, I mean... I suppose you could have you could have quite easily mentioned Ted and Dracula because both of them could have been in the show for a little bit longer. I think it would have been nice to maybe have Ted's relationship with Joyce explored a little bit more. Um, similarly, it would have been nice to have Dracula around to, you know, the sort of eerie kind of presence. Of well, you know, he is like in that. the comic book, so clearly there's something to his character that people like. So I do feel like if they had made him maybe a little bit less cartoonish on the show, yeah. he could have been around, you know, for like maybe at least two episodes. <laughs> yeah, but I think along with a lot of these characters, you know, they tend to just kind of be the the monster of the week and then they yeah. go. And and that's fine. You know, we, we're kind of used to, to that in Buffy and... Sometimes it does kind of pay to not delve too deep into uh, these people's uh, backstories because, A, they're not probably really that interesting, and B... Are you saying that Dracula's backstory isn't interesting? No, but what I'm saying is that everyone knows it <laughs> because everyone... I'm pretty sure that everyone's read the novel or seen the films or something, so it's it's not something that I think we need to know that much about. But if you'd turned around and said to me, oh, yeah, I want to choose Ted or I want to choose Dracula, then I would I would have been down <laughs> with it. Because my choice is, um, quite frankly, way and above your choice anyway. So, so there. <laughs> my choice. I'm going to talk about my choice now. Um, yeah, do so. My choice is the main villain from The Freshman. It's the Vampire Sunday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who I just thought was just a really interesting character i would have loved to explore her a bit more um her backstory and sorry go on no yeah i I really never got attached to sunday i think she's essentially female spike it's like it's fun for an episode and then you're like oh my god go away because it's 
so like stereotypical bad girl, bad guy, you know, like. Yeah, but see how long how long did Spy it's Kids nothing go? interesting, you know? Yeah, but it's, you could have she could have had a really interesting backstory. How did she become like the main vampire on campus? So much that we could kind of talk about. Um, how did she get all of her stupid idiotic minions? She's she turned them. <laughs> well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> no, but like, why are they following her? Like, you've got like surfer dude. You've got like. It's because she's Cordelia. Yeah, I, I look. Sunday was a really good villain. She could have been in it for a little bit longer. And I think she would have been perfectly interesting to watch. Could she have been And we disagree because otherwise the world would implode. Well, this is the thing. (laughs) If we we agreed on anything, it would just... Life wouldn't be worth living (laughs) if we agreed. So true. So true. (laughs) So, so yeah, the two episodes that we obviously wanted to to discuss were the freshmen in living conditions. But we're going to... We wanted to try and keep it kind of centred around those two characters and why we thought that those two characters... um, were the best um just on a a side note i actually had a couple of uh, suggestions as well for people that i could have chosen much better than your ridiculous suggestions oh yeah yeah drop the gauntlet (laughs) why don't you well bring it on (laughs) well the first the first one that i ultimately thought of was the gentleman but then i was like oh yeah more than one (laughs) so technically that doesn't really work and I did kind of think of the puppets from Smile Time as well. But again, there's more than one. But they were really interesting. Single character-wise, I actually really liked Sid from the puppet show back in season yeah, one. But he's kind of a good guy, isn't he? Well, he is, but he starts off really ambiguous. And and also he's a puppet, so he's creepy. Clearly, I have a thing for puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. A very close second for me. All, Sunday almost got trounced by Holden Webster. Um, from oh, conversations with dead people. <laughs> I really liked Holden Webster. I thought oh, he was yeah. great. And the only thing that annoyed me about Holden was the fact that we'd never seen him before. I think if we had seen him before, and then we'd obviously seen him as uh, a vampire in conversations with dead people, I think that would have just generally made a bit more sense. If like Buffy if they brought somebody back from yeah. the high school years. Yeah. Maybe it could have been Owen, the guy she dated. Maybe. I don't even remember who that is. Who is that? From uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Mm. When she goes on a date with a guy who likes poetry, Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Oh, my God. Poor shame. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I don't really watch season one. I only really, I only really remembered Sid because he was a puppet. And again, with my obsession with puppets. <laughs> Next time, I'm picking a season one episode. Oh, no. So, what's your favourite season one episode? Uh, The Puppet Show? (laughs) Because it's got puppets in it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, in the end, Sunday came out top. So, should we start talking about Sunday? Yeah, let's start talking about Sunday and um, The Freshman, which Mm -hmm. is obviously our, our season four opener. As openers go, I mean, it's not really... Probably I mean, you know, the thing is, first time I watched a freshman, I remember that I was kind of annoyed that I didn't really like it. And I think it was partly because, you know, Buffy gets, you know, beaten up and mm. things aren't going so well for her. And when I watched it now, I'm like, I really appreciate that because I think it's 
it's really brave that they go like, well, you know what? College is hard. College is overwhelming. She's yeah. in a completely new situation. And, you know, like, she's never been Miss Books. And now it's like, you know, it's always been Buffy with her friends. And now it's like Riley goes like, oh, yeah, you're Willow's friend. And you can see that she reacts because she's yeah. not used to playing second fiddle, you know. It is and, really interesting, actually. Um, so I think it's, it's a very well-made episode in that sense. It's the only kind of gripe I have about that whole kind of college is really scary is the the bit with um, the professor when she's in the class and he just has a complete go at her for no reason. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, I don't like that. The, obviously, they were trying to get the audience to feel sorry for Buffy. and mm-hmm. um, But at that point, we already feel sorry for her because, you know, she's on her yeah, own in bit... this new place. She doesn't. She knows, obviously, Willow and Oz, but they're not around, and she's just a fish out of water, really. We already feel sorry for her. We don't need some... Yeah, it's a bit piling on, you know. Yeah, that's that's just... It makes me a bit uncomfortable, because I don't believe that any college professor would act like that on the first, you know, day of, of college. I actually do, because we had a... But that was in high school, but, you know, I went to IB, and we had a terrible biology teacher like he was exactly that guy and he was the guy who would ask you a question and he would not let you go until you had answered it correctly like he could question you for 20 minutes until you guessed your way to the right answer and he was just horrible uh that whole freshman year and then the second year he was a teddy bear because he just wanted to instill fear in everybody so that you would do all your homework and have this healthy respect for him and it worked <laughs> yeah that that doesn't sound very nice <laughs> so i actually believe that there's a teacher who would do that because i've met them i know but he was the, the guy in the show was just especially mean like he kicks her out for no reason she's just asking a a, a very you know it's not like she was even asking about something outside of class she was asking about uh, you know a class-related subject and uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I, do, I don't think it was necessary. We didn't need to. We didn't need Buffy to sort of stoop that low. Or maybe we did. Maybe we did need her to stoop yeah. that low, to you know genuinely question her academic ability. You know, question her slaying ability. I, you know, that's obviously a big part of of, of the episode is that she she gets her ass handed to her by a, a group of vampires who she should be able to take on um and yeah. she, she can't um but that's um obviously a bit later in the episode is, is when we actually meet um sunday and her goons um the first person who we meet is is uh obviously after we you know we've spoken to willow and oz and hi oz nice to see you again uh love you uh, <laughs> um we we meet a chap called eddie um, who is locked yeah. on camera. You know, it's so funny when I watch this because obviously, like, I don't remember if it was last season or the season before that, but he's seen Game of Thrones. What? And he's, yeah, and he's, yeah, he is. And I remember that people posted a lot of pictures when that happened. And I remember I watched that season of Game of Thrones. And he's like, he's really hot. He's also in a CM music video. Uh, and he's like really hot now, all grown up. And, uh, I was like, oh, that's so funny because he was in Buffy. And then now when I watched a freshman, I was like, oh my God, this show is so old. He is such a baby. Uh, he is not a baby anymore. 
<laughs> and it, yeah, and it really aged the show for me because I just realized how old the show was because he is, does not look like that anymore. <laughs> Do you know what? I did not recognize him at all. And I've just, as you were saying that, I've just clicked on, on, uh, on his IMDb page and he's actually credited in the show as Pedro Balmaqueda. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. But, obviously, in Game of Thrones, he's credited as Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And if it had said Pedro Pascal on the cast list, I might have been a bit like, oh, Pedro Pascal. I honestly did not recognise him at all. No, because he does not look like that anymore because he's so tiny and (gasps) just really young and cute. And, uh, yeah. Do you know what? That is a genuine surprise for me. (laughs) Because, honestly, he's like one of the absolute highlights in Game of Thrones. Um, anyone who's not watched Game of Thrones, um, he plays a character called Oberyn Martell, and he's fantastic. He's uh, He was in it a couple of years ago, so maybe season four, off the top of my head. He's fantastic. And honestly, complete highlight of that series. And, oh my God, I can't... Oh, I'm so, I'm so shocked. <laughs> Pedro Pascal, I had no idea it was him. Anyway, I loved him. <laughs> in, uh, I loved Eddie. I thought he was really sweet. and Yeah, me too. And I thought it was such a cute little connection between him and Buffy. And I was like, I mean, I get it. They want you to feel sad when he dies. Uh, and I, I really did. Do. I really did. Yeah, you really do. He would have actually been nice to kind of stick around as well. I know he's obviously completely minor character. I would have liked him to have stuck around, you know, maybe a couple of episodes of you know, him and Buffy on campus. He would have been an excellent substitute for Riley, you know, for Buffy's affection, <laughs> I think. Um, I think we should start shipping Betty. Um, yeah, Betty. <laughs> Betty, right now. <laughs> um, you heard it here, people. <laughs> but, obviously, so we we know that poor Eddie meets his demise and the college vampires, they go to the dorm room of the person they killed, empty out and put a note on the bed basically saying, I couldn't cope. Which is... I have to say that even though I don't, uh, I mean, that's just really clever, actually. I, th- I, I thought that was a really nice touch in the storyline that they just, you know, take their stuff and leave a note and then people just think they've dropped out. It is, but how did they know which dorm was his? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think he sort of told them before he died? Like, they were like, tell us your dorm. Oh, I don't want to. Tell us your dorm or we'll kill you. Oh, okay, I'm in dorm 134. Oh, okay, we're going to kill you now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, not the craziest thing that's happened. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what happens in the background? You know, there's there's only one camera on at one time. You know, anything could be going on. Um, but they obviously they they emptied everything, all his drawers and his bed and everything. But they left the book. The yeah, term, the book you mentioned to Buffy. Yeah, which. It's a good job that they meant they left that book because otherwise Buffy would be none the wiser. Uh, Can we also just say how cute it is when he says to Buffy that he likes a human bondage and he's like, oh, I'm not into porn. Like, I'm just trying to cut way back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is is one of the best lines, I think, in the episode. And the episode has some really good lines, actually. It's uh, it's a really funny episode. I, I did actually mention that uh, the quote, I'm not really into porn, because it's it's the sort of kind of, you know, throughout the episode, 
Buffy kind of gets a bit tongue-tied on a couple of occasions and she does so with Riley as well and she's just really not sure of her surroundings. She's really and, out of her element. Yeah, yeah. Completely. I think it's really nice to see her so tongue-tied. Yeah. I think we have all been uh, at one point, like when she says to Riley, like, oh, I'm nice to meet. I mean, yeah. I think we've all done something as stupid as that. Oh, God, yeah. Because uh, clearly, you know, this this guy, you know, I mean, he's tall, he's you know, he's a handsome, good-looking guy, uh, you know, and he's clearly very sweet and nice, and she's obviously taken a bit aback that he's talking to them, and, um, yeah, I get a bit tongue-tied. It happens, you know. At this point in the show, she's... It's it's kind of such know, a nice 19. contrast from um, when Buffy starts um, high school, because then she's obviously... Um, I feel like she's a lot more self-assured. Like, you know, she kind of just walks up and decides to be friends with Willow and stuff. You know, she she seems very sure of herself, yeah. you know. And, like, here we see her and she's floundering, you know. She's not really sure it's of all, herself at all. It's and almost it, like the two characters had switched. I mean, if you yeah. watch Willow, you know, she's so excited to be at college. You know, all these experiences. She's so enthusiastic. She's... She's got a, a boyfriend here, so, you know, that's obviously made it a bit easier for her. And she, you know, they're, they're basically completely switched roles in that sense. And I think Willow's enthusiasm in this episode is, is pretty infectious. I mean, she, uh, like you said earlier, the fact that Riley doesn't remember Buffy's name, that he just, he refers to her as Willow's friend. And I don't think Buffy's used to that. Buffy's used to being Buffy and... You know, yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's quite nice actually. It's quite nice to see smiley happy Willow and smiley happy Oz, and obviously it's not nice to see unhappy Buffy. But well, you know, we know it's not going to last. So no, it's you know nice to see her a bit, you know, like more like a person, you know, like a regular person that she's not always Miss Superhuman, you know. Yeah, and in a way, it, it's it's nice, like you say, it's nice to see her out of her comfort zone and when she's out of her comfort zone she decides that she wants to try and 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 sort of gather some more control and so she decides to go and visit Giles who's living the life of luxury I believe uh, Willow refers to it as a gentleman of leisure (laughs) (laughs) and um, so she goes around his house and she meets Olivia Um, yeah the uh, first time we meet Olivia yeah. So, uh, who's uh, dressed in one of Giles's shirts? Uh, well, I, I use the term "dressed" quite loosely, um, <laughs> and uh, and Giles is obviously in a in a, a dressing gown. He um, they've clearly been I don't know playing Scrabble or something. You know what kind of annoys me a little bit with that scene is that like Olivia refers to him as Ripper. But she clearly doesn't know that Buffy is the Slayer. Like, he introduces her as an old, like, student. And I'm just like, you know, when I first saw, you know, I I just, when she says that she knows him as Ripper, I kind of just assumed that she came from his background so that she had some kind of knowledge of demonology or, you know, like, all of that, whatever. That she had some kind of connection to his life in England as a watcher or a watcher in training. And she doesn't seem to, and it annoys me a little, because I'm like, fine, maybe he has friends outside of his demon circle or whatever, but it just feels like, since she specifically states the Ripper, yeah. I just feel like she should have known that Buffy was his later. 
Yeah, I, I mean, we don't we don't obviously meet her that much. I think we only see her in a in a couple more episodes, sort of going forward. But the the sort of history between her and Giles isn't really kind of delved into. We just kind of have to take it that they're uh, in inverted commas old friends. Mm-hmm. Um, take that what you will. But yeah, you would think if she knew him as Ripper, then she would know about him being a watcher and she would know that he has a slayer under his charge and or at least she would yeah and that I just she probably wouldn't have been so it. freaked out about the gentleman yeah exactly <laughs> just a small thing that um that just bugged me yeah but yeah yeah she should have just called him rupert and then you wouldn't have any problem <laughs> because exactly. you know he it's perfectly feasible that she could just be an old girlfriend from england but she wouldn't know him as Ripper then. She would know him as Rupert. So, I mean, unless Ripper was the special name that he asked her to use in bed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, because you're very, very old. And it's creepy. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. So, but she obviously doesn't really kind of get any assistance from Giles. Yeah, and I'm a little bit mad at Giles. I feel like he's a little bit flippant. He is, but... I think at that point, he's he obviously doesn't really kind of have a job. He, I guess maybe, you know, he's obviously starting to feel a bit depressed and a bit... Yeah, lonely. I know, but then when Buffy comes for help, then give her gosh darn help. Like, don't be all like, oh, well, I'm too busy drinking scotch in the middle of the day. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, that whole scene annoys me, because I feel it's a little bit like... Um, the the mean teacher in the classroom scene that is just piling on making Buffy feel more alone like that she has no one yeah yeah and I think it, that's what the show's trying to do it's basically just yeah. trying to keep piling on how alone she is um at this point obviously she's figured out that there's vampires on campus and she wants help to try and sort it out uh because at this point she's obviously she just did Eddie by this point, hadn't she? And I believe she'd already she'd met Sunday, um, and Sunday kicked her ass, and that's why she ends up going to to Giles. Um, no, I don't think she's been uh, ass kicked yet, because I don't think her arm. If her arm had been hurt, I think that Giles would have reacted way more strongly. I thought that she. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Maybe I'm thinking wrong. I'm sure. Did someone... you even watch the episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just read the wiki page. <laughs> no, 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 I did. I sometimes I get confused. <laughs> but yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, let's just call it that. Let's just call it because I'm old and that's just how it goes. But uh, okay, at some point she realizes that Eddie is has been turned and that there are vampires on campus. Whether it was before or after meeting with Giles, uh, not really sure. But. Obviously, she dusts Eddie quite quickly, and it actually feels quite sad. <laughs> she she just gets she just dispatches him really quickly, and then she meets Sunday and her goons. Um, I'm just going to call them goons because I don't think any of them actually have names, uh, apart from like Surfer Dude and Purple Sweater Lady, and the other one. I think there's three. So now she's meeting Sunday, and this is your favorite, or does this your pick this of the week? Is my pick. And, like, what is it about Sunday that makes you go, like, yeah? Because she, to me, it was, it kind of felt a little bit like she was maybe a bit of a precursor to Glory 
and everyone knows how much mm. I love Glory. Um, yeah, that's an interesting talk. Well, it was because, you know, she was good with the put-downs. She, you know, for a for a vampire, we don't know how old she is. She she looked quite good. She had the nice little blonde hair. I'm like, judging um, by her outfit, I would say like mid-90s. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that was a long time ago now. Um, but, well, now. Um, you know, she was clearly very into her fashion. Um, you know, there were quite a few nice put-downs about clothing that people were wearing i think she even puts buffy down about some clothes that she's wearing yeah and um, she had a point <laughs> well she did <laughs> um, she we obviously we never figured out much about her but she was clearly kind of a bit of a queen bee maybe you know when she was alive maybe she was you know a bit like cordelia yeah um, I would guess so. and you know now she's a vampire she's kind of like the leader of this gang of whatever they are (laughs) they're really stupid and they seem to follow her everywhere so clearly they're just like her minions she reminded me in a way reminded me of harmony uh not because you know but like smarter yeah like much like a much much smarter harmony and yeah she she just seemed to have like so much potential because obviously at the point she meets buffy buffy is really at her lowest and, you know, the show is, like you said earlier, the show is kind of going out of its way to say that Buffy feels alone. And for Buffy, alone e- equals weak. And we, we know from, you know, the show has basically told us from, from day one that Buffy's strength is her family and friends. And except she, for becoming. Except for becoming. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> when she's all alone yeah. and, and she's all alone. about to kill her and she yeah. goes me and then she kicks us out. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. So, you know, Sunday is one of the very few vampires throughout the whole sort of history of Buffy who gives her a proper good beating. Yeah. Um, And, you know, in the end, rather than sort of face them on, Buffy runs. I mean, it's a little bit like uh, in season five when she gets staked with her own stake. Do you know Uh, what? That was one of the notes that I made earlier. Yeah, that it's like... Like, you know, it's kind of like Spike has a point mm-hmm. when he tells her that all we need is for one of us to have a really good day because at the end of the day, like, any run-of-the-mill vampire just needs Buffy to have a bad day. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's a good, really good thing they're pointing out, that it's like Sunday doesn't need to be Angelus or the Master. Like, she could technically take Buffy anyway. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm really pleased that you uh, you thought of the same thing that I did. Because, <laughs> you know, I I really wanted, because Fall for Love is, is one of my absolute favourites. I absolutely love it. But we the point that Spike makes is very rarely kind of played out in the show. And this is one of the few times... usually Buffy just beats everybody, exactly. you know? And in a way, that's a bit unrealistic. Because, you know, like Spike says, all they need is for her to have a bad day and for them to have a good one. And I really like that Sunday beats her down. Well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I really like it. But in a way, that's kind of, we need to, the viewer needs to see that. The viewer needs to see that, you know, Buffy's not on game, that, you know, other slayers have, have fell to, you know, much lesser vampires than, than Sunday or 70s-haired guy in, in Fall for Love. So it's quite possible that she could die at any moment. And we we kind of believe as viewers that because it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer that she's invincible. And sometimes we have to be told that well actually she's not. She she is 
a person you know she is a human being yes she has these powers but when she has a bad day she's not quite on her game that yeah and also she does need her friends she does yeah absolutely and i just just realized one thing that annoyed me with the episode well it didn't annoy me i shouldn't say that it's just like at the start of the episode she's picking courses with willow and you know it's like really funny because this vampire rice is in the background and she doesn't notice and then he just runs away and it's really funny and you're just like it's like well they're showing that buffy's off her game but you're also you're like well that guy is gonna go off and kill people now yeah (laughs) yeah i i especially like that um he saw all of her weapons and he was like i'm not taking this on but i I mean it really it really works if you don't overthink it which i did yeah So she she gets her she gets her bottom handed to her by Sunday, and you know at this point I think she's a little bit taken aback by this, and she genuinely feels like the lowest that she's ever felt. She she thinks that she sees Angel in the bronze, turns out to just be a very convincing lookalike who's not very convincing at all, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then she meets Xander. That uh, is my favorite part of this episode. I love his speech. I he talks to her. I absolutely adore it. And you know that I've had my issues with Xander in the past. <laughs> and I have to say that this version of Xander, I absolutely adore. I think that, like you say, his speech, um, I've got it written here. Um, when it's dark and I'm all alone and I'm scared or freaked out or whatever, I always think, what would Buffy do? You're my hero. I'm just He's just, he obviously delivers it a bit better than that. And sometimes I think, what is Buffy wearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't add that bit on the end because it was just like, the, I left it with like the sweet, the sweet sentimental bit. But Then I ruined it because I could <laughs> But yeah, he's, this is, this is good Xander. This is the sort of Xander that we want. This is Xander, the heart of the group. And yeah. he's fantastic. And, you know, he, he basically gives her the pet talk that she needs and he says let's put this bitch in the ground and yeah. it's exactly what she needs to hear and and i also love his his story about um his road trip and um <laughs> he says um nothing says thank you like dollars in the west band <laughs> because he talk he's well he says nothing will will ever get him to to speak of uh, the the tales at the uh, the fabulous ladies nights club um, well, you know, just to tie into my episode, I do feel that it's a little bit, I mean, this is like a little bit of a character flaw with Buffy that she's kind of self-centered. Because uh, here, obviously, Sander gets her back on track. Sander is the one who can relate to her because he's not on campus. He's also right right now out, out of his element and just kind of the outsider of the group. And in Living Conditions, my episode, he eats lunch with them, and the first thing Buffy says is like, oh, not that I mind, but doesn't non-campus guy usually habitate the non-campus? So she basically just starts out by saying that, oh, you shouldn't be here. And I just feel like when she was down and feeling alone, he supported her, and when he's obviously struggling, she does not. Yeah, but then you could sort of counter-argue that with, isn't, at that point in living conditions, she is kind of losing her soul. Yeah, you could counter-argue that, <laughs> but I, I'm not buying it, okay? Because she's, yeah. <laughs> also, um, I do like to do my little shout-outs um, in, in the podcast, but Xander, during his um, his story and his pet talk to, to Buffy, he, he mentions about Avengers Assemble. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, which is a really nice little nod to obviously what Joss is going to end up doing at some point in the future, now the past, because he's already done it and it was awesome. But yeah, it's always nice to hear Xander Geek out. He mentions Avengers Assemble a couple of times during the, the, the run of the show and, uh, and this is one of them. So, um, so that's always nice. And, um, and then we, we go on some, um, reconnaissance with, uh, Buffy and Xander, uh, where she's, cause obviously at this point they've decided to empty her, the, the vampires have emptied her dorm and they put a note on the bed and Kathy. <laughs> Kathy's basically, oh, well, I thought she was a bit unhinged anyway. And they obviously realise, because at first, I think Willow's not sure kind of what's going on and she doesn't believe that Buffy would, would leave. And Xander has come from, they they obviously found the vampire lair. Xander's come from there and he has to kind of explain to Willow in a very kind of comedic format that Buffy, where Buffy is and what Buffy needs and without sort of spilling it to to Kathy which uh, and I also kind of like that um when Willow is assuring Kathy that Buffy isn't the kind to run away she kind of mentions about the one time that she did (laughs) it's like yeah that's um that's not brilliant Um, but yeah meanwhile Buffy's uh obviously with the vampires she's fallen into the window and she's trapped with them she drops in and announced Um, and uh and um, she gets her ass handed to her again yeah until Sunday, who, um, you know, at this point has obviously taken the mickey out of pretty much everything in Buffy's cases, finds the little umbrella that Buffy was given in the prom. And that's kind of when Buffy kind of snaps. Yeah. And Yeah, when she breaks it. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously Sunday snaps it and, and Buffy snaps. And then from somewhere, she kind of gets the, the strength to fight back why do you think it's at that point she gets the strength to fight back you know it 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 just seemed that's kind of one thing that didn't really kind of gel well with me it's like everything sunday has said to her she's kind of just i think it indicates you know how much that class protector award meant to her that she you know that she felt validated for her like entire high school career you know through that award and felt like I mean, it's a little bit like when Angelus goes like, oh, this is what's like, no friends, no hope, what's left, you know? Like, when you take everything away from Buffy, that's when she goes, hey, I'm still here. So I think it is a little bit of a reiteration of that, that she's like, you can take all of that away from me, but I'm still here, and uh, I'm going to fight you to my death, you know? Okay. That's fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I just think that that meant so much to her that yeah. it's just like it triggers her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do kind of understand it. I just feel that, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're constantly being like, you know, obviously in this case, um, literally, but sometimes metaphorically kicked. Sometimes there is that one thing that, you know, just make you kind of break out of it. But then sometimes there isn't. And it's just. It's, I don't know, maybe it's just the way that I'm looking at it. But I do understand that the Class Protector Award that she, she got, you know, it did mean a lot to her. And, but this um, is where we get to the only time when I actually like Sunday, and that is when she gets staked and she looks annoyed. You know, like, she does this, like, <sighs> and then she puts her hands on her hips, like, ah, oh, crap, this. <laughs> that is literally the only time I actually enjoy Sunday. <laughs> the thing is, I kind of felt that, 
after everything that we'd gone through with with Sunday and everything that we knew about her up to that point, we knew that she was quite an adept fighter, and you know we know that she's strong and that she's capable. I just found that her actual death, because she ends up being killed with a broken tennis racket. <laughs> but I I don't know. I kind of felt that her death was kind of undeserving of her, and. It felt like it was a bit of a Buffy's back moment, you know. I just would have liked... I think that's why I would like to have seen more of Sunday. Like, if she'd have ran out of the room at that point and, you know, ha, you'll see me again, Buffy, next time, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think it's like Sunday especially, like, um, essentially serves the purpose of being, like, the tougher girl, you know? So it's like, at first, she kicks Buffy's ass because she's the tougher girl and she's a bully, and then Buffy realizes that, oh, bullying doesn't work on me. And then Buffy's back. And then, you know, there's nothing for, you know, Sunday to do. Like, she won't have an effect anymore because Buffy's just going to snipe back, you know? Yeah, like, like Sunday only works back, because... Sunday only works because Buffy's feeling down. Yeah, but they could have brought her back, though. <laughs> yeah, but they already had Spike, so they didn't need another blonde vampire running around. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do have to say, though, this particular scene in uh, in Sunday's Lair contains one of my absolute favourite visuals of, of Buffy, and that's when she kind of spins the stake. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I absolutely love that. And that I think that was in the credits for, for quite some time. I think in the later seasons they dropped it, but... It's one of my absolute favourite kind of visuals, and I still don't know to this day whether SMG actually did that or whether it's it was like added like post production. It was like CGI or something, but it's so good. It's so it is good. good. <laughs> and okay, so now Sunday's gone, and I'm all sad because I would have loved to have seen her in a future episode. I do, and I'm like woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of understand why because at the end of the episode, then we get the strange masked military men you know and who are they and what are they doing with these vampires and um so they're obviously our actual kind of big bad of the season um but yeah, you know it would sunday have been nice to have seen sunday in one of their cells <laughs> sunday could have made a better harmony than harmony for spike i mean like she could have been a better paramour for spike than harmony oh no no let's let's not go too far i mean i'm not <laughs> thinking that like I'm thinking, you know, maybe a few episodes tops. You know, I'm, I'm not thinking any further than that. Let's not, let's not plan the vampire wedding or anything. <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's your new ship. They um, would definitely kidnap Billy Idol, and then everybody would just look kind of creepy, blondish, pale, weird. I not quite all bad, I know, but getting there. No, you know, I think Spike's Spike's a sensitive soul. We we know. From, yeah, we um, saw how past. sensitive Drusilla was. <laughs> he likes it crazy. <laughs> I think that I don't think Sunday's is sensitive enough for William. I think William wants to be loved, and I don't think I think Sunday loves herself, and she thinks about herself and she cares about herself. But I don't think that would work. I'm just calling <laughs> it now that 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 would not work. Not in my yeah, head yeah. canon, it wouldn't anyway. Yeah, well, your head is crazy. So I'm really sad because we've lost Sunday and, and now we're having to go into living conditions without her. <laughs> yes. Yay, now we have Kathy. Boo. I love Kathy. You know, I seriously love living conditions. I think I feel about living conditions like other people feel about something blue. 
living conditions just you absolutely tickles. <laughs> yeah, living conditions absolutely tickles me. I think it's hilarious. I love Buffy. Uh, you know, I just love their whole crazy, intense roommate situation because I do feel like it is so real. And obviously, it's Buffy. So at the end of the day, Kathy is a real demon. But I would have liked to see it stretched out a little that we could have just seen them just drive each other off the wall. Because, I mean, come on, when Buffy drinks her milk, that is an awesome scene when they're just trying to provoke each other. I mean, I'm not going to say that Kathy's better than Sunday. But I, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I must admit, although obviously Kathy is purely just set up to really just introduce Willow as Buffy's dorm. Mate, Which does make more sense, since she's the yeah. slayer and everything, and you don't want to have to go through that whole thing with her sneaking out again. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love Kathy because it's so, like, you know, in the end, you're like, oh, it's so obvious that Buffy was right, because clearly, like, she loved uh, love songs and was super annoying and perky all the time. But at the same time, as the episode is going, you're kind of like, is she just an annoying person or is she actually demonic? <laughs> like, it's, it's a fine line between loving love songs and being an actual demon, you know? <laughs> also, I would say that everyone knows a Kathy. Like, yes. at some point in your life, <laughs> you will have met a Kathy, someone who's super perky, loves really annoying music. And know. who's kind of passive-aggressive, like, you know, the whole, like, oh, I just wanted to make sure we didn't have a thief, you know, when somebody takes her milk. Yeah. And, like... And she's like, no, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, someone <laughs> who borrows your clothes, and it's like, oh, well, I didn't think you'd mind. It's like, <laughs> everyone knows a Kathy. So, I'm just going to spend two seconds on saying that we need to talk about Buffy's gum habit. That's gross. She left, she leaves her gum on the night. That stand, is like annoying. Like, used grum, gum. That is annoying. Who does that? I, like, <laughs> young kids, I would imagine, do that. Like, they stick it under tables in school and it's gross because you put your hand under. Yeah, she didn't even stick it under the table. She's Stuck it on top of the yeah, table. I'm that, like, that's disgusting, that Buffy. Disgusting. You need to stop doing that. <laughs> that. I think that, you know, you can forgive a lot during the episode on Buffy because she's obviously quite stressed and it's a small matter of her soul being, you know, removed <laughs> every so often. Um, but that's the question, like, is the gum habit a soul-sucking thing or is that just Buffy? <laughs> no, do we? But These are the big questions. We don't see Buffy chewing gum at any other point. That I'm aware of. So clearly, gum chewers out there, you may be having your soul sucked out by demons at night. Well, you know, especially (laughs) if you've got a friend called Kathy, you know, I would. uh, (laughs) I would. I would beware. But we we discover that Kathy loves Cher, and not from Clueless, unfortunately. The other Cher. Um, the better share. The the, uh, the the share that's been going for years and years and years and years and years and years, and uh, and Celine Dion as well. So you know, so nineties because both those acts were particularly big. I mean, Cher's obviously been you know massive for a long time, but Celine Dion especially very nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and who has Celine Dion posters? I mean. Like, I know that, like, back in the day, I mean, when I was younger, I had posters all over my wall, normally, like, oh, shame to admit, but normally dodgy boy bands and, and mm. guys with their tops off and stuff like that. But 
Celine Dion poster? Yeah, clearly she was a deviant. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you know, she's... I mean, maybe that's the sign, too, that... Uh, Parker was never meant to last because he Ooh. does talk to Kathy and say that uh, like Celine Dion and uh, Whitney Houston are underrated artists. So clearly he's a deviant. <laughs> well, there's plenty of no offense to Celine <laughs> Dion fans. No, I mean she was she was good in her day. Um, I don't know what she's like anymore. But I must admit, I was watching this episode and I completely forgot that Parker was in it. And then. When we meet Parker, I was a little bit, oh, God, it's Parker. <laughs> I think he's actually quite charming here. I can see why yeah, Buffy but, likes him. Yeah, but now that we know what we know about Parker, it's just, oh. Hey, I'm, he's I'm, so I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm on Parker's side, actually. I'm not what? on Buffy's side. No, get out. You're banned from this podcast. <laughs> she so overreacts. <laughs> You really have this thing about like her and Parker and her overreacting because you yeah. said that he she overreacted when Parker broke up with her and now that you you've you've got to think for Parker no you've no got to we, think for I said she overreacted in the Halloween episode when she's still moping around like weeks <laughs> after he's breaking up broken up with her. Look, you I have feel a thing sad for, for her. Like, you do you, you try and mask it however you like. I think the whole world now knows <laughs> that it's Tarky and Parker. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Indeed. <laughs> I just love it. Men who compares a woman to like a toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. He oh I mean But yeah, no. For this episode or for, for the general side, I'm Team Parker. Oh. She just way overreact. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Hey, maybe so... Kathy visits me at night. <laughs> I don't think you have a soul. That's how this, that's the only explanation for all this Parker love going on. There is no soul in there. <laughs> so we we obviously established quite early on that Kathy is taking part of, of Buffy's soul in order to basically not get taken back to her own demon dimension. But we know that they're having dreams. But at this point, you know, we just think that Buffy is going crazy because yeah, she and she's going very convincingly crazy. I have to say, I feel yeah. like they they pace the episode very well that they like dial up her crazy. Um, very well at first, but it just seems like she is, you know, overly annoyed, and then, like, you know, her friends start watching her, obviously, and then it gets to the boiling point where she's like, I have to kill her. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, uh, I feel like it's very well paced. And it's also really nice to get to see Buffy spend some time with Oz. I love Oz. I mean, it's really sad because it's like the beginning, the beginning of the end for us, but it's yeah. just really nice to uh, see them together. And like, uh, I love the scene where Giles and Oz uh, and Sander trap Buffy and, uh, <laughs> and it's just, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, did, they obviously didn't tie the ropes tight enough. No, and it's just hilarious when she just stands up and like bangs her heads together like coconuts and Because we know that we know that non soulless Buffy would never do that. No, would obviously. Never turn a and she looks like, like she looks really evil when she does that too. When she kinda looks up at them, uh she looks really rather evil. Yeah. And I think kinda during the episode, you know, she does things that are completely out of out of character. I mean, you know, mentioning that she basically wants Kathy dead. I mean, she's always been, you know, she's been the slayer, but she's always been on the side of good. And at this point, 
as far as the, the viewers concerned, Kathy is just a regular human girl and Buffy is just severely paranoid about her. And yeah, so to hear Buffy basically say, I want to kill a human, it's actually quite scary. And, you know, for her friends, she, they obviously realise that something is, is terribly, terribly wrong. Well, it's also kind of funny because when she actually starts fighting with Kathy, she rips her face <laughs> off. And then she sees that she's a demon, but, you know, she looks at the face and she looks up and she's like, I knew it, you know? <laughs> like, she wasn't entirely sure when they started fighting that it was a demon. So, clearly, yeah, a little bit of soullessness going and on there. The one thing that kind of does annoy me about the episode, watching it again, it doesn't annoy me as much now that I know. But you've obviously got the two demons who um, are kind of you know, skulking around in the background and they see Buffy and Kathy together mm-hmm. and they basically make a point of saying, oh, yeah, she's the one that we've been looking for. Um, and we obviously take it to that they're talking about Buffy because she's the Slayer and at this point we don't know about Kathy. And there's just kind of quite a lot of misdirection going on that's not really, I don't think it's really necessary in the sense that we kind of didn't need them around. I mean, we only really needed them for, you know, Kathy gets knocked over because Buffy's protecting her. And she gets muck on her sweater, which she can't get out, and ends up borrowing Buffy's and gets, like, ketchup down it. Which is <laughs> a great scene with the, the, yeah. the camera kind of jolting and panning into the look on Buffy's face. And it's just quite a lot of the time... Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance as Buffy, it's kind of overlooked in a way because, you know, she's she's so pretty and she's, you know, she... she oh, and she's it. super pretty in, in these episodes. She's like, I kept thinking every time, like, you saw her, I was like, oh, my God, she's so pretty. <laughs> I think, yeah, especially in this kind of time, this kind of season four kind of time, I think she's so incredibly beautiful. And I think you kind of, it's kind of overshadows the fact that she's, genuinely a very good actress when you see the look in her eyes that she wants Kathy dead you you genuinely believe it she's genuinely believable and to this day I still kind of lament the fact that she never really got recognized for the performance at all I mean she kind of she was an absolute powerhouse in you mentioned earlier um, belonging and some episodes she was absolutely fantastic in them and she never once received an Emmy nomination or anything. And I think well, nowadays, she got the um, Teen Choice Awards and the People's Choice Awards. Yeah, uh, you know, Emmy. like those. those <laughs> uh, and I mean, I guess they're kind of, you know, I mean, they're not as prestigious as like the Emmys, but in a way, it's just that you know she got like the People's Vote, and that's kind of nice. I know, but that's like saying. Oh, well, you know, you didn't win the international award for gymnastics, but your mum made you a certificate. <laughs> so it's okay. Hey, my mum's certificates were awesome, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm sure they were. Well, I mean, it's also interesting because, you know, she did get like a Golden Globe or something for her work on All My Children. So, I mean, yeah, she's it's not least... the same, though, is it? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, uh, she's at least as good here in Buffy, I would say. I never watched All My Children at all, so I don't really know anything about it. 
I think I, I think she was in a show called Swan's Crossing, which I believe I yeah. watched years and years and years ago. I think she was really young in that, and she played like a complete bitker. Um, but other than that, I'd never really seen her in in anything else at that point. But I just wanted to make a point that she's genuinely quite scary in some of these mm-hmm. scenes, and you know the intent, the the anger. And the frustration that she kind of has at this point when she genuinely believes Kathy is evil and she says, you know, she is evil. And she puts that across really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And the milk scene is especially good. Yeah. (laughs) I love the milk scene. (laughs) Where she's saying it's share time. And and yeah, all of those items of food in the fridge that Kathy has labelled Kathy. And um, And I just love the scene when they were like, Buffy's like hitting her pen against the... Uh, the book and Kathy's first she's like clipping her toenails and then she's like rolling this egg and you know it's like those little things that you know from when you've lived with somebody that there are those like those little things that can drive you absolutely crazy yeah <laughs> and I just love the portrayal of that because it really is like once you're annoyed those tiny things do get blown way out of proportion uh, so it really is that you're like, is it demonic or is Buffy just a lonely child, you know, or an only child, you know, like, yeah, because Kathy can she just not share? She? Yeah, Kathy does mention something about like, only child syndrome or something along those lines, uh, because obviously Buffy wants the window open and Kathy wants it shut. And so Kathy shuts it and then Buffy opens it. And it, to be fair, it is very childish. You know, yeah. the situations that we're getting in, you know. Yeah, but I'm like, we have like two, what, like 19-year-olds out on their own for the first time. It, it makes sense, you know, except for the gum on the desk. Except That's for the gross. gum on the desk. I think we can both <laughs> agree that that is disgusting. And uh, especially when it's under her book and that's yeah. not good. That is not good. No, I would be so mad. I wanted to ask you, actually, mm-hmm. a, a general question. Because we, so obviously we come to understand that Buffy is being drained of her soul sort of gradually by Kathy. So, because Kathy knows that, well, I assume it's her father or some elderly male relative of some description is coming to take her away. So she knows that if she has a soul and Buffy doesn't, that Buffy will get taken away because apparently these demons don't have eyes and they can't tell their own people. I don't know. Well, I I think it's, isn't it partly that you know she's in a human skin so they can't tell who she is when she's in her human form yeah but at this point she's had her face ripped off oh yeah right so, <laughs> so even, if, <laughs> even if Buffy had no soul then they'd be like oh there you are Janine <laughs> I see your face so anyway uh, Buffy's having her soul drained and she gets these horrible dreams about uh, disgusting things like blood being poured into her mouth and scorpions and really really icky things would you have actually liked to see more of soulless Buffy? Because we actually get to a point where she's becoming kind of almost homicidal because she's losing Yeah, her soul. but I feel like, you know, like, if Cassie had been around for, say, like, one more episode, I feel like they could have played up the, you know, that it could have been more gradual. Like, now, obviously, it happens rather quickly. That it just goes from being annoyed and then suddenly they're just literally fighting and just wrecking the entire room. That is quite a quick process, actually. Mm-hmm. So if Kathy had been around, I don't think Buffy would have gone soulless so quickly. I think it would have been more like a gradual, you know, annoying roommate kind of situation. So would you have liked to have seen 
more of Kathy as Buffy's roommate, or... Well, maybe... I don't know. It's hard to say, because, I, you know, as I said, this episode really tickles me. I love this episode. Uh, it's my something blue, and it just really cheers me up. Um, so, in, in, in a sense, I think it's a perfect episode, but... Uh, I think it is kind of perfect, uh, but uh, there's a definite lack of soul going on. Well, well, maybe it's the lack of psych. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just think it's I just it just hits the right spot for me. I, I just think it's super funny, and I just. If we say we would have gotten Kathy for one more episode, I just feel like, um, yeah, I think that would have been funny, you know. Well, don't be greedy. You've already had her for two. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I grant you, you didn't really know much about Kathy in the first one anyway. You didn't really see her. Um, Yeah, and it kind of cracks me up that Buffy is, like, having a hard time having a roommate because it is hard having a roommate. And, I mean, obviously, at the end of the episode, Willow takes her sandwich Oh, I and love they that. do they do the eye thing again. Yeah. So clearly, that was not like the soulless thing. That is Buffy being Buffy, yeah, uh, and not being the perfect roommate. And I do kind of feel like they don't really address that later. Like after that, it's kind of smooth sailing most of the time, as far as yeah. roommating goes. Uh, like not necessarily friendship wise, but as far as being roommates, like they don't have any real conflict. No. Uh, not in the way that Team Kathy does. Yeah, and let's not forget as well, I mean, Willow's roommate is hardly sugar and spice. I mean, they just, like, have parties all the time. Um, yeah, and again, we're talking about Buffy's um, self-centeredness that I talked about in the about the last episode. That, you know, clearly she doesn't really even ask Willow about her roommate. Yeah. But then again, it tells that Willow doesn't say anything. So it just shows the difference in how they deal, you know. Like, Buffy deals by talking and Willow deals by, you know, dealing with it on her own. Yeah. For me, I I just thought the whole uh, the whole idea of Buffy gradually losing her soul was quite interesting and I just think it would have been fascinating to see the show kind of delve deeper a little bit into the definition of soul and, yeah, and, and what that means because obviously we've had Angel the, the vampire with a soul and we know what it did to him to lose his soul and what would happen to a soulless Buffy you know a Buffy who had completely no soul at all I, I kind of would have liked to have seen that so in that respect I would maybe, and I'm not agreeing with you that Cathy's the best or anything, but I would kind of like to have seen that progress in that sense. It is kind of interesting, though, because when she's being uh, bitchy to Cathy when they were talking about dreams and then both Buffy and Cathy leave, Willow says that, you know, her behavior borders on Cordelia-esque. Yeah. And you're like, are you questioning Cordelia's soul? <laughs> I'm like, you can act like that and be perfect and have a soul, you know. I just, you know, just saying. <laughs> I, but yeah, I, I did have, kind of make uh, a note on Buffy, Buffy going full on Cordelia, but I don't, I don't think that was anything to do with the lack of Cordelia's soul. I just think that I just found, found that it was kind of a funny thing to say, since it turns out that she's soulless. You're like, uh, I mean, they are making a bit of a judgment here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, we we do actually get also a, a glimpse of Ruka as well, who's going to be interesting going forward for Oz and Willow. Oh, you're right. And it's right. very Body kind of fleeting. Mm-hmm. They just walk past each other and uh, and they, they look at each other. 
Oh, that's just, it just makes I mean, the thing like. is, <laughs> I, I like that scene because it's a nice little, oh, you know, when you know what's going to happen, it's it's a nice, tiny, you know, it's kind of like in the freshman when the phone calls and Buffy answers and you know if you watch Angel that it's Angel on the other end. Yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those nice, tiny little scenes that foreshadows what's to come. Yeah. But at the same time, seeing that, I'm like, no! I know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, can't bear to think of it's it's the weirdest thing because in the later seasons i am such a fan of of willow and tara completely love them absolutely think they're yeah I, I love them but i also really love willow and Oz. it's I like just... it's like willow can not choose like the wrong partner like <laughs> well like, kennedy but, oh yeah i forgot about kennedy <laughs> kennedy kennedy doesn't exist to me um kennedy's just a blip every everyone makes mistakes <laughs> but I love Willow and Oz. I think Oz is fantastic. I love Willow and Tara. I think Tara's fantastic. And it almost, it kind of makes me feel sometimes that I'm torn between these two different romances because I, I love them both. Yeah, I know, me too. And I can't, I can't pick which one is the better no. one. The, that, I mean, for the character, I mean, for the character in a sense, uh, it's better with Tara because, you know, it, it, then she like develops her magic and she probably wouldn't have done that the same way with Oz. But I also felt like season four is just when I feel like we start to get to see more of Oz as a person with like that. He's not just Willow's boyfriend. Mm. Uh, so I just go like, why couldn't we get more Oz? <laughs> I, I understand why Seth Green left. And I know we've mentioned it before because we do kind of end up talking about Oz at some point, but <laughs> he's such a fantastic character and he's he's so great in in actually both of these episodes you know he he serves a valid purpose in both you know he he walks he goes out walking goes out patrolling sorry not walking with um with buffy and the freshman and then obviously in um in living conditions um, he and Xander watch Buffy as uh, Giles leaves. Yeah, and then he gets knocked out. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's quite sad to like go back to these older episodes. It's nice, but it's kind of there's a, there's a little bit of sadness there as well. It's a bit of sweetness. It is. That's the word I'm thinking of. Bit of sweet. And also, Oz delivers my favourite line of the episode where Buffy is basically annoyed because she says about Kathy's like it's share time. And so she <laughs> punches the air. And then, and then he says, so you either you hit her or you did your wacky mime routine for her. And then Buffy says, well, I didn't do either, actually, but she deserved it, don't you think? And then he <laughs> says, nobody deserves mine, Buffy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. I love, literally, he's, he's so quotable. Love him. He is. <laughs> So, discussing, have, have we finished the discussion on living conditions, by the way? Uh, or is there anything yeah. else you wanted to mention? Um, I don't think so. Maybe I'll remember. Well, uh, I also love that Buffy, well, I, I, I don't know which part is grossest to me, the fact that Kathy clips her toenails and then don't pick them up, Ooh. or the fact that Buffy picked them up. <laughs> I think so. that's just it's a it's a great part of the episode because you're just like when you're picking yeah. up somebody's toenails off the floor, you have gone to the dark side, my friend. And like, <laughs> why would you think of measuring them? Yeah, like, I was thinking who that too. Uh, that? Like, it's bad enough that you've just picked up someone else's toenails, but then you measure put them. Put them in a Ziploc bag and then you measure them. That's straight up crazy. <laughs> but interestingly, they were the Ziploc bags that Parker gave her earlier, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yet again, we get back to 
bloody Parker. Um, <laughs> See Parker! No, Parker <laughs> and Parker sitting in a tree. I think we should just call you, like, Parky. Like, nice Please port- don't call me Parky. Parky. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Team Parky. <laughs> um, yeah, that's gross. I mean, and why would you measure them? And then, obviously, Giles realises that the toenails are growing because then he's measured them. Oh. But yeah, that's my last part about Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Do you still believe that Kathy deserved more than what she was actually given on the show? I could definitely have given her one more episode. Well, considering she's already in two, that means you're giving Kathy three episodes. So I'm going to give yeah. Sunday three episodes. <laughs> and... Uh, I think and I'm going to give Sunday Spike as a boyfriend. <laughs> you know, because that's mean to me <laughs> and all the other Spike fans. No, they basically look the same. The the initiative could keep them in like a coastal little cage together and try to mate them or oh. whatever kind of weird experiments they uh, were doing. Okay, so we already know that vampires can't produce offspring uh Hey, Angel and Darla. (laughs) Um, The other thing I wanted to mention about Sunday is that I found it quite interesting that in the credits, so in the opening credits for the show, um, she, the actress, gets an introducing credit. Oh, really? Normally only reserved for either really big names or really big characters. Yeah, at the start, she gets, uh, the the actress's name is Catherine Town. And yeah, at the start, you, you get, and introducing Catherine Town as Sunday. That's interesting, because so, uh, she's clearly not in it anymore, and exactly. it's not like she's a big star. Well, I... I, I mean, I, I looked her up, because I recognize yeah, her, I and she's, well. in, uh, she's in a movie I really like. Uh, but otherwise, I don't feel like she's exactly... Well, a big name. No, she's not. I, she was married to um, a guy called Charlie Hunnam, who some people may know from. Oh, she was married to him. Isn't yeah. he like super hot? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not bad. He was in, he's in um, like, Pacific you know, Sons Rim of Anarchy. And Sons of Anarchy, yeah, most famously Sons of Anarchy. Um, and people in the UK will remember him for. Uh, a TV show, uh, I think it was back in the early 2000s, called Queer as Folk. Um, he's British? He is. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he's British. All the best people are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. She she was married to him for a short period, I think for about four years. But I'm not sure whether this is the reason why she got the introducing credit, because she doesn't seem to have really been in much. She's been in a couple of reasonably big movies, um, but no kind of real star turn or, you know, starring role that I can find. But her father um, is a renowned Hollywood screenwriter and director called Robert Town. Oh, well, that's probably why she got the introduction. Yeah, I think so. He apparently wrote uh, Academy Award winning screenplay for Roman Polanski's Chinatown, uh, Hmm. which I've not seen. But he also did the first two Mission Impossible movies, which I have seen. <laughs> so, yeah, he's done loads. So Robert Town is very well known in the industry, and Catherine is his daughter. Um, and she's been in some bits and pieces. Apparently she auditioned for Dawson's Creek, but I don't think she ever got on. I just found it quite interesting that she was given an introducing credit when she's only in it for this one episode. And I kind of feel like if you're going to do an introducing credit, then 
then she should be a bigger character, you know? yeah, surely that character should be in it for a little while. I mean, it's like, I don't know who else they did an introducing credit for, but quite a few very well-known people have had roles in Buffy. One that springs to mind is um, Bianca Lawson, who played Kendra. I mean, she was reasonably well-known. She'd been in, like, Saved by the Bell, I think, the, the new class of Saved by the Bell. So people knew of her. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, think about, oh, the new yeah. class. Yeah, yeah, nobody not, watched that. Not the proper <laughs> Saved by the Bell, like the, the imitation Saved by the Bell that came out after Saved by the Bell that had characters exactly like Saved by the Bell, but they weren't Saved by the Bell. Oh, I have a fun fact, by the way. Go on, then. That Living Conditions is one of six episodes of Buffy that has no vampires. You're absolutely right. It does not have yep, any vampires. There are no vampires in it. Do you know the other five? Off the top uh, well, not at, at the top of my head, but <laughs> oh, I looked at that Buffy. <laughs> and it's like, um, there's not many who don't have vampires in the puppet uh, show. Uh, the one with the mantis lady, the one with the hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Off, uh, off I think the pack doesn't have the vampires. Yeah, that's the one with the hyenas. Oh yeah, sorry. yeah. I already said that. And, yeah, um, here uh, I'm looking it up, and it's the uh, witch. The Pack, iRobot, you, Jane, The Puppet Show, and Inca Mummy Girl. Hush doesn't have vampires in, does it? Maybe Buffy slays somebody in the in the beginning of it. I don't know. Uh, oh, does it mean like, and like no vampire slays? Yeah, I just didn't know if it meant like, like a vampire character or a vampire bad guy or. I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. But I, well, first thing that came to my mind was Hush, but. No, that makes sense, because quite a lot of season one was actually completely vampire-free, which is a bit ironic, considering it was season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Stop bragging on season one. I love season one. <laughs> Honest. Um, no, I just haven't watched it in a long time. And like I say, I only remember the puppet show, because <laughs> puppets. Puppets are great. And also, who doesn't like Smile Time for puppets? I mean, you know. Oh, I love, I love the Smile Time puppet. <laughs> it's that creepy Sid the Dummy puppet that, like, freaks me out. Oh, I totally <laughs> should have made my character Sid. Because he's then also... you would have to watch the puppet show. He's also, like, totally pervy. And it's, like, <laughs> yeah, <know>. very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very weird laugh that I just did. I don't know. That was a that. very evil cackle, I would oh, say. That, that's my puppet <laughs> laugh. Hello, everyone. This is Athena. It's become apparent that my love of puppets either seriously offended my recording equipment or Skype. And um, unfortunately, the last few minutes Taki and I recorded for the podcast is completely inaudible. I promise I won't mention puppets ever again. In those minutes, we talked about who was better, Kathy or Sunday, and mentioned we would put up a poll for you, the listeners, to decide once and for all that Sunday is the best. So head on over to the boards and check it out. And if you're a new listener who hasn't yet joined up, please feel free to. We're at buffy-boards.com because when it's dark and you're all alone and you're scared or freaked out or whatever, you should always think, what would Buffy do? She'd totally join the boards. I guess, you know, you could choose Kathy if you want to, but think seriously about it. It's a big commitment. Really sorry for the technical issues, guys. She was Taki and I've been Athena and this was Once More with Podcast. Bye! (laughs) 